feelings are about you and for you only. It is not the job of anyone else around us to do anything with those feelings. You have a choice to do better and to be better. And once we know better, then we need to do better. <laughs> However, if you keep doing the same thing over and over and over again and getting the same results and you're unhappy, at a certain point, you have to do something different. Welcome to the Unlocking Happiness Podcast. I'm Amy Dix, international best-selling author, speaker, and founder of Choose Happy. Collectively, our community builds a better world. I believe life is made up of moments. We have short moments, long moments, good moments and bad moments. We make sure that all of your life moments are filled with meaning and joy. Stick around to the end of the show. We'll reveal how you can be our next guest on the internet's happiest podcast. Now let's unlock happiness. Jamie Lerner, welcome to the show, Unlocking Happiness. So excited to have this conversation today. And one of the quotes on your website I absolutely love, which is this, well-being is a connected state of being happy, healthy, and prosperous. Tell us how you think well-being is connected to happiness and why you have that so prominent on your website. Well, I think being connected to ourselves is really the key to everything. And that's where it begins. Because when we are connected to ourselves, we generally feel pretty happy. And when we feel pretty happy with ourselves, we feel pretty happy with other people. So the connection to ourselves does bring us happiness and it does bring us prosperity and it does bring us a sense of overall well-being. And how can someone kind of go through that process of connecting with themselves? Like, where do you start in this whole process? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not as overwhelming as it sounds. And I like to think of it as starting really simply, like the first few minutes in your day, sitting quietly with yourself and just listening to the conversations that you're having with yourself. So I think when we begin with ourselves first thing, it gives us the message that we're important and we matter and that we're worth. And really no one can do that for us the way we can do it for ourselves. So those few moments of connection and appreciation, I think is a great starting place. So you talk about kind of like gathering those moments or, you know, first thing in the morning. Do you have a morning ritual? I do. I'm up at five every morning and the first, I don't know, 15 minutes of my morning are really for me to sit with myself. And for me, it's just kind of like receiving and downloading from the universe because I am very centered and connected. But for someone else, it might be just listening and hearing the kinds of things that they're saying to themselves about themselves. And actually, at first, it might be a little unsettling because we tend not to be very nice to ourselves. <laughs> so matter of fact, some of the things we say to ourselves are very unkind. Things we would probably not say to any other. So to hear that would be a wonderful opportunity to just throw yourself on the floor and start laughing uncontrollably. But also it would be a good clue 
to you that you may want to start being a little gentler with yourself, a little more loving with yourself, a little more accepting of yourself. So that's a kind of a a delicate and a very strong connection, the connection that we have with ourselves and our inner being and inner mind. You know, there's a lot of research around mornings and having these types of rituals in the mornings. And I'm just curious, are you like a morning person? I mean, 5 a.m. to me sounds absolutely insane. <laughs> I still have at least three more hours of sleep after 5 a.m. So, you know, tell, have you always been a morning person? Always. Is this something that you had to work at? No, I am a morning person. And I think that most of us, however we were as children, we are as adults. I mean, and there are night people and there are morning people. So for me, I am just, you know, I am so productive and so filled with life and I'm so happy in the morning. And as soon as the sun starts to go down, no matter what time it is, I start, that's it. I'm like, I'm done. So... You know, daylight savings just happened at the time of this recording. Daylight savings just happened. And I'm still like struggling (laughs) to figure out like what time I'm getting up. But you just mentioned, and it made me think about this, like when the sun goes down, then, you know, you're done. And is it truly like when the sun goes down, whatever time that is based on the time of the year? Or were you saying that as a figure of speech? No, for me, it is the darkness and the lightness. And so when it starts to get dark earlier, it's really difficult for me to be present. And so much about what I do with people is about being present. So I know when I can be the best and I know when I am just kind of worthless. And that's another thing to know yourself pretty well would be helpful. So Absolutely. I think that that is the key of what you just said is like, you kind of have to know yourself. I've always loved the winter when it got dark early. I don't know. I just found myself to be really productive when I was in corporate America. And, you know, it was kind of getting to be dark by the time work was even out. I loved staying at the office late on those days and just plowing through because there was something about that evening and it being dark and, and maybe even a little chilly. I don't know, but, uh, that made me just like so productive. But I have realized as life has continued that what you said is the most important thing, which is knowing yourself. Because so many times in my life, I have tried to be the opposite of that. I have tried to get up really early in the morning and do X, Y, Z. I have tried to go to bed really early at night and it just, I fail every single time, right? So I absolutely love, and maybe that's a part of like connecting with yourself and like understanding that. So thank you for sharing that. So we can connect with ourselves, whether the morning or, or at any point in time, right? And just having that like a little bit of alone time with ourselves. What other things can we do in order to connect with ourselves? There's a process called selective sifting, which is to begin to listen for the things that resonate with you in a very selective way. So we're not hearing everything and everyone and joining in on every conversation and reading every piece of news. And it's about kind of tuning into you and seeing what feels best to you at every given moment. And then really focusing on that. 
And I think that that really helps us. I think it helps us stay positive. It helps us feel supported in what we're doing and who we're talking to. And then in doing so, it really, once again, reinforces that connection that we're having with ourselves. So... Beautiful, selective sifting. And on the show, we've talked quite a bit with other guests about the news and media. And I'm not getting into that conversation right now, but (laughs) unless you really want to go down that road. However, the thing that you said that I thought was so great is like, you get to choose that, right? And like the story that the listeners have heard, if they've listened to some of the other shows about myself is like, I just choose not to watch the news because to me, I always felt like, I would get so sad or I would feel so angry or whatever it was. And then I felt to myself, like, I don't get to choose the emotions. Like they're choosing my emotions for me almost. And so by making that conscious decision of what I'm going to watch and what I'm not going to watch, and it doesn't even have to be the news. It can be anything. What you said, like, what are you going to read? What aren't you going to read? What are you going to watch? What aren't you going to watch? What are you going to do? What aren't you going to do that you are in control of those decisions? So I love that. The best part about that is you don't have to make everything else wrong. So you don't have to make, you can be right for yourself and nothing else has to be wrong, which is really a nice part about that. And everyone gets to make their own individual decision for themselves. Yes. Yes. You know, in a world where we go, this is right and this is wrong. And I think I write this in my book. If I didn't write it in my book, I definitely have a blog post about it. But like, I don't believe in right or wrong. I only believe in like positive or negative intention. So like either you have positive intention behind your actions or you don't, you know? And on the receiving end of that, to assume positive intention from other people unless they prove to you that they actually had negative intention behind their actions. I agree. (laughs) You talk about the art of allowing, which I think is such a beautiful subject because we as humans have such a hard time around this. So I want to dig into this a little bit, but first I just kind of want to start like, What is the art of allowing? Like, how do you define kind of what that means? It is the ability to be so connected with yourself and so clear about what you're wanting and what you're doing for and with yourself that you have no judgment of what what anyone else is doing for themselves because we're simply minding our own business and we're extending the same courtesy to others that we have extended to ourselves, which is to choose for ourselves and let others choose for themselves, knowing it has nothing to do with us. I mean, as you say that, you have such a calm, calming (laughs) voice to begin with. (laughs) And then you add those beautiful words on top of it. So like when I hear you say that, it just sounds like so peaceful. And it sounds like such an amazing world that we could all live in if uh, we kind of went down this road of the art of allowing and not being judgmental, which I think is such a huge topic that needs to be discussed more. Why do you think that people are judgmental? Because I think they're judging themselves and projecting. So when we're unhappy with ourselves, when we're not liking what we are doing or not choosing what we're doing and feeling like we're victims to what is going on, then we tend to project that onto other people and judge other people and be so focused on what they're doing instead of focusing on what we're doing and asking ourselves, what do we want in this moment for ourselves? 
Yeah. So here's a question that I think we can all ask, ask ourselves, and I'm going to ask you, but when was a time in your life where you looking back, you realized whether you meant ill intention or not, where you may have made judgment on someone or some situation that later on you look back and go, yeah, I didn't mean to do that. Well, I think when I have moments of that, I am quickly reminded because it doesn't feel good when we're judging other Mm -hmm. people. So it's a great exercise to catch yourself and to tune in to see like, how are you feeling in that moment? And usually it's like, no, I don't feel very good. And then you can choose to like, let it go and to remind yourself that in this moment, I am clearly disconnected from myself. And there's something that I could address within myself about myself. Do you have a specific moment that you can kind of recall in your mind? It ends up being more of a feeling. So I get the feeling before I get the thought. Mm. And then from the feeling, the thought comes and then quickly I know like, oh my goodness, I am disconnected in this moment. So usually it's, you know, a moment of frustration or um, a moment where maybe I feel like I should be in control and I'm not in control. But to not feel good, that's for me is like, instant reminder that oh my goodness I am not connected so so listen to your feelings yeah so that's a really hard thing I think for a lot of people to do one because I think emotional intelligence is not taught enough (laughs) and two because we grow up in a way that in a lot of cases I'm not saying this is for everyone in a lot of cases I think people grow up not being told to kind of squash their feelings or, oh, it's okay. Don't worry about that. Or, you know, why are you feeling that way? It's fine. So people squash our feelings, not saying that they had, again, negative intention around it, but that's how a lot of people grow up. So how do people start to get in tune with their feelings? Like if I'm sitting here, I used to be a non-feely person, a hundred percent. So if I would have heard what you just said, like 10 years ago, I probably would have rolled my eyes. I probably would have judged you <laughs> and said, oh, she's just whatever. Like, oh, those people are too emotional for me. So what advice do you have for people like the Amy Dix 10 years ago? <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, feelings are about you and for you only. So when we have feelings, it is not the job of anyone else around us to do anything with those feelings. So to take personal responsibility and to have the feeling, to own the feeling, to embrace the feeling, to accept the feeling, and then to choose what to do with that feeling. I mean, that is like so powerful. And when you can do that, you feel so powerful. So having the feeling is not about giving it to someone else or even sharing it with someone else. It's about having it and then deciding what you want to do. So you say it's not about sharing it with with others. And a, and a lot of times the advice is, you know, we need to speak our feelings. So when you have these feelings, when is it right to share it with someone and to tell them how you feel about that scenario or about them or whatever happened? And when is it right to not, to just keep it inside? I think the question becomes, what do you want them to do with the information? So if you can think that far ahead, but usually when you are in control of your feelings to the extent that you can experience them and understand them and make a choice about them, you don't really need to share the feeling with another person. So 
there is a difference too between sharing the feeling because you're just expressing where you are in this moment with yourself and using that sharing is a way to get someone to change their behavior. That I believe is where we are continually disappointed and feel unheard. It is no one's job to change themselves so that we can feel better. And that's really hard for people to hear. So, so we have to do the work ourselves is what you're saying. We, we don't have to, but when we do, it feels really, really good. We are in holding ourselves accountable and being responsible and nurturing ourselves and nourishing ourselves and knowing ourselves and caring about ourselves. And when we do all that, we are so much better for other people. Mm. It's never about the other person, ever. I it's think hard that... Oh, absolutely. Even I'm sitting here thinking of like moments in my life and I find it even hard to hear like, oh, but wait, but you are so right. It is not about the other person. It is all about you. And something that happened just recently was I was feeling a certain way and it was kind of one of those moments where it was... it was like, should I share my feelings? Should I not? What I ended up doing was I just wrote out what it was that I was feeling in that moment. And then it's it's magical. Like the next day was absolutely a-okay. And I was okay with it because I think I was able to express it, right? You use that word too. Like I was able to express it, but I didn't have to express it verbally. I could just write. And then it's almost like I could just let go of it at that point. So yeah, and that's really nice. But if you had to share after you did express it, you would have expressed it in such a way that you would have been heard as if you were sharing. You weren't asking somebody or blaming somebody or counting on somebody to do something different so that you could feel better. Do you work with children like at a, at a young level? Yes. <laughs> and I love to work with children because they're so easy to work with. And what do you mean by like easy to work with? They just haven't had so many years of conditioning. So right. It's just they're in a pure, more connected state. I really feel strongly about, now I don't have children myself, so I don't have like that empathy around like being a parent. However, I still feel very, very strongly that these types of subjects need to be taught at an earlier age, as opposed to us getting into our 30s and 40s and going, wait, I can be a better person, you know, and then having to kind of create these habits in our midlife. So tell me like, tell me more about like the children and kind of just like the transformation that you may have seen in either a specific, you don't have to give names, of course, but like a specific client that you worked with or a specific child, or like, just just kind of paint that picture for us. Well, it's interesting, because a lot of what we're trying to work through comes from the parent. So most parents don't respond, they react. Most parents, because they're busy and they're frustrated and so on and so forth, they are not consciously parenting their children. They are in reaction mode all the time. So their children or children in general usually are very confused about what they are supposed to be doing with their feelings. So we talk a lot about with with kids how it is their feelings and that sometimes parents or adults have a hard time with their own feelings and say and do things that make it feel as if it is ours and it's not. 
So it's kind of like sorting socks, but it's really getting kids to understand that a lot of what is being directed at them is not about, and that feels really good. They don't have to feel so responsible for what they're receiving on the end of a reaction, which is usually pretty strong. You know, parents react fast and strong and sometimes very unnerving. Mm-hmm. And kids can internalize that. They can affect their self-esteem. So to kind of reframe it for kids, and I have to say kids are great because they fantasize. They, they have just so many ways of tuning out so they can tune in. So it's getting them to tune back in and in a respectful way, kind of tune out. So it's interesting and ends up being like skills for life. One of the things that my brother says to his little five-year-old boy is use your words, (laughs) you know, so just like use your words. And I remember, man, it had to have been now maybe uh, at least a year ago, probably two. So he would have been like three maybe a little bit older. I don't even know if you're speaking full sentences at three, but whenever this was, he was. So let's just say three or four. And he came up to visit and I was helping him like kind of get ready for bed. And so we were brushing his teeth and I happened to put his dad's toothpaste on his toothbrush by accident instead of his toothpaste, right? Which I'm sure as a child, it tastes like insanely different. And he was like, oh, you know, and he, and he used the word spicy. Like that was the only word he could come up with, like to to communicate that he didn't like it. He's like, no, that's spicy. And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. So we rinsed it off. You know, we got it handled, whatever, after a couple of tears of the spicy toothpaste. And then after that, I was in the kitchen doing dishes And I heard from the other room, my brother asked him like, Regis, what is wrong? And he just, you know, pouty face. And and Jason said, Regis, use your words. And that little boy marched into the kitchen, tapped me on my leg and said, Aunt Amy, I was really upset with you when you put spicy toothpaste on my toothbrush. And I like, I'm getting teared up right now just thinking about it. Cause in that moment, I was just like, holy cow, this child is like so in tune to what he's feeling. And I was like proud and sad and like wanted to laugh (laughs) and cry all at the same moment. But, you know, so use your words. So what do you say to children to help them understand this concept? You know, it's interesting what you're talking about now. And I think it's also important that parents understand when they say that, why they're saying it. Are you saying it because your child emotionally is falling apart and you cannot handle it? Or are you actually saying it because you would like to have a better understanding of why your child's upset? Those are two very different Mm -hmm. reasons. So, you know, I don't have a saying with kids like that, but it is a good way from very early age to teach emotional intelligence if you want to hear what is actually going on with your children. Most parents don't. And why do you think that is? Like, why why wouldn't they want to hear what's going on with their children? Because they don't even know what's going on with themselves. And there's no room to have understanding and compassion and all of those wonderful things for their child because they haven't given it to themselves first. They're tapped out. So it's so important that parents indulge in self-care 
and indulge in nurturing themselves and nourishing themselves and giving to themselves before they're available to, you know, give to their children. Other, it just Or they do it and they resent their children. They resent their role. They just resent, resent, resent. And that doesn't feel good to anybody. Right. It doesn't feel good to them. It doesn't feel good to their children. It just so starts That's, with us. Yeah. So that leads me to this question. Uh, Yes, so it does start with us because whether you're a parent or in a relationship or even just like as a daughter, a sister, a brother, an aunt, an uncle, like any relationship, right? You can't be awesome in that relationship until you yourself are amazing and you know that and you've worked on that. And so it almost makes me wonder like, when you do work with children, I know that's not who you always work with, but when you do work with children, do you also work with the parents as well? So lately I've been doing some texting with kids and the parents have access to reading the messages. And it's really interesting because as the parents are reading these messages that are going back and forth between their child and myself, I am modeling something for them that they can use and that also is nurturing them and it ends up being a very helpful tool and then they can support their children with the kind of things that their child and I have talked about Mm. so it's um it is it's a lot of reparenting parents who aren't doing it for themselves and then assisting the children so it's a it's a joint effort (laughs) It is a joint effort. It really is. So this texting, is that your program, the quickie? Yeah, it is the quickie. That is the quickie. Tell us about the quickie. I think this is so genius. So tell (laughs) tell us about the quickie. (laughs) Well, this was pre-COVID. So I didn't exactly know how it was going to go. Turns out the timing was pretty good. And it came as a request from some of my clients that I was having uh, phone sessions with. And the Quickie is just a, a way to use my services through texting. So you buy a block of time and then you text me and I text you back and then you text me and I text you back. And it's so interesting as you're texting me and I'm texting you back, you have already almost answered the questions yourself. Mm. So I'm just kind of the conduit, which is really nice. And then you have this ongoing transcript to look back over to see what you were asking and what I was saying and what you already knew. And it's, <laughs> it's nice. It's you really kind of nice. see how so, you went from point A to point whatever, D, yeah. e, F, G, H, I, wherever you're at. Yes, and <laughs> I think it's journey. a good reminder that often people know for themselves, even though they don't know how or why they know. Sometimes you just need to bounce it off of somebody. Mm. So I think that we are our own greatest resource. You know, one of the things this reminds me very much of kind of the way like therapy is going these days, which is kind of like through apps and through texting and resources and all this other stuff. So I'm just like curious, like, it's interesting because like when I grew up, therapy was in my mind, whether this is the case or not, I don't think this is necessarily the case, but in my mind, therapy was like something that you only did if you were in a bad situation (laughs) and you needed it. Right. 
Today, as we stand in 2021, I think therapy has a whole nother notion. And I know you're not, you're not a licensed therapist, correct? No. Okay. So I know you're not a therapist, but it's the same kind of concept. And I think that people now see therapy as something like, oh, it's just something that could help me be better at whatever it is that you want to work on. I also believe a lot in the things like that you and I do, but like in this case, it's like, man, tap into somebody like Jamie, tap Mm -hmm. into those resources because we can be better people in whatever aspect. And if we reach out for that, that doesn't mean that something is wrong with us. That just means that we want to be better at who we are and we want to be better at life. (laughs) So it's a really nice layer of support. And I think that people have like 24-7 access now with all these apps, which really makes it nice. And the other thing, too, is that some people don't want to do that. They want to feel like the victim. They want to blame Mm. society and blame their parents and blame their employer and blame, 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 blame. And, And I think that that's fine, but at least acknowledge that you're choosing to be the victim mm. and that that is an ongoing choice that you're making because there is power in the choice but to actually feel like it's happening to you I think that it's unacceptable do you think people who are kind of like stuck in this victim mode like realize it like do you think they're conscious of the fact that like I always play the victim no and I think society rewards the victim so it makes it extra complicated However, if you keep doing the same thing over and over and over again and getting the same results and you're unhappy, at a certain point, you have to do something different or choose something different. So I do think if you're a victim and you want to remain a victim, acknowledge it and just say, okay, this is it. My life sucks. I'm a victim and I'm just going to stay here. And I say, okay, that's good. Good you're choosing that. Good you're like owning that. Yeah. There's power in that. Good yeah. You. At least you're truthful of where you're at right. here in life. That's right. It's not happening to you. That's right. That's right. That is so well said. And we talk a lot about on the show about like choice and making choices and uh, how happiness is a choice, or at least that's what I believe. And uh, you kind of hit on that too. Like being a victim is a choice. Improving your life is a choice. Like understanding all these things is a choice. And so like, that's one of the things that I would say to the listeners too, is like, you have a choice right now and in a myriad of different areas of your life. But as we talk about like this whole self-care and the art of allowing all that stuff, like you have a choice to do better and to be better. And once we know better, then we need to do better. (laughs) This is true. But part of choice is then not to push that on another. So that's also where it gets kind of complicated. When someone's doing something for themselves at the beginning, they just want to preach that to everybody and tell everybody what they should be doing. And I would say that is a moment of disconnection. If you are really doing something for yourself, you really don't care what other people are doing. You really don't. So, and then once you're totally connected and doing something amazing, then you're literally breathing or become the living, breathing example of what's possible. And you will be an inspiration for something. But to be telling people what they should be doing, no. That's not allowing. (laughs) 
I mean, I, as you're as you're saying this, I'm thinking of of someone that I know right now who is absolutely doing this, and it feels inauthentic. Like it feels to me as I watch it from afar. It's like you know that's your journey. That is your journey. You don't have to tell other people that that has to be theirs as well. You know, and again, I will go back to positive and negative intention. I think this individual has positive intention behind what they are doing. So where's the difference there? Like, because people want to help other people. I think like when you feel like you found the secret or when you discovered this or discovered that, uh, you know, you want to help other people. So Where's the difference there and how can we be better at recognizing it? Well, I think the person you're talking about has probably good intention and not very good self-awareness. Ah. And therein lies the difference. And then I think that when you've really tapped into something amazing, that you walk your talk. And then that's when people start asking you, like, wow, like, what are you doing? Like, you just seem so happy or you seem so grounded or so calm. And that's an invitation for you to then share what you're doing without telling them that they should be doing that. Right. It's a sharing by invitation only. (laughs) Oh, I love, I love that. It's almost like, it's like in the marketing world, we talk about like push and pull marketing, you know? So I talk about being pull marketing. Like you want people to be attracted to your brand as opposed to forcing your brand on other people. And it applies to a personal brand as well. So I think what you just said, like really hits the nail on the head about just sharing and by invitation only, like people will ask you, you don't have to push it on them. And a lot of times I see this in like the direct sales world, nothing against direct sales, but I just see this a lot. Just is very prevalent in that kind of industry where somebody finds this product or service that, you know, and they have to get more people on their team in order to make money. And I'm sure that the product or whatever it is, is amazing and it worked for them, but that doesn't mean you have to push it on other people. Like, yeah, share your beauty and share the results that you got. Like, that's amazing. And I will celebrate anyone who is improving themselves or feel good, good about themselves all, all day long. But when you push it on me and tell me like, I need to buy this product, I need to be on your team, then that to me is just one of the biggest turnoffs in life <laughs> that I can think of. And so I think we see it a lot. And I love how you put it. Like, let's share, let's share the wins. Let's all celebrate you. Like, that's great. And if I then see that and think, wow, I also want that in my life, then I'll ask. Yeah, I like that. I think that's how it works better. What do you think like the biggest challenge is that people have in happiness, in achieving happiness? Understanding that it's choice. I think when we, you know, we wake up every morning and we make a choice, you make a choice about how you want your day to go, how you want to be. And it's such a personal choice Mm. because there is nobody that can make you happy. There is no thing that can make you happy. You know, happiness is a state of mind. It's a lifestyle and it's a moment to moment choice that we have to make for ourselves or not. And it's okay. You don't, you know, there's some people that never want to be happy. They want to be miserable forever. Like, okay, like I will (laughs) never take that away from you. (laughs) But those people do not like me at all. 
Yeah, that's right. Not one single bit. That's right. And you probably <laughs> will never find them in your inner circle either. Well, you know. it's, you know, sometimes they peek in and I, you know, I welcome them with open arms and that is just like so unattractive to them. They are just repelled. That's like, right. No, thank you. I'm just like, okay, it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I really like how you put it though, because you are taking a position of being non-judgmental towards completely. that. So completely. Yeah. yeah. Whereas the, they may be coming from, from a position of judgmenting or judging. Completely. <laughs> completely. So that's, that's really, really interesting. How would you define happiness? Like if you had to define it in one sentence, how would you define happiness? Um, happiness is like when things feel really easy, when you feel kind of a light in your heart, mm. when you feel, I don't know, like it's more of a feeling for me. I can't, you know, and I think it shines through people. Like yeah. you can notice when people are feeling good, they just, people glow. Even walking around in the grocery store, you can tell that people are, have somehow, whatever they're thinking about at that moment, it's, it's good. And I think managing our thoughts is a really important part of this whole, you know, choice about being happy. So Let's talk about thoughts for a moment. You've brought it up a, a few times. <laughs> so let's talk about it because, it, you know, thoughts control our emotions, which control our actions. And so let's just talk about how can we control our thoughts? Because it is not a necessarily like, I'm going to think about this in this moment, right? So how can we control those thoughts? Well, I think it comes from, First of all, identifying when you're thinking about something that does not feel good. And usually we can determine that before we can determine what does feel good. So it's all that contrast. So even if we're watching something on television, even if it's like some crime show and it doesn't feel good, that's an indication mm. that, you know, you have a choice in that moment to switch the channel, to turn it off, to do something or that will allow you to think about something that feels better. And I think that that's a really valuable tool because, no, first of all, no one can do that for you. You have to do that for yourself if it's going to happen. But, you know, I say this a lot. I ask people all day long what they want, and they tell me all day long what they do not want. And what they have is what they do not want. So I think what we think about is what we attract and what we have in our lives. And when you are ready to start thinking about more about what you're wanting, then you have more of what, what you want in your life. It just, it is a universal truth. Yeah, I think that is really powerful. And sometimes our thoughts and what we tell ourselves are is not even the truth. Like we almost like make up these narratives in our mind <laughs> that about whatever it is that we're thinking about. And it's not necessarily even the truth. So And um, a lot of the times it's that we are thinking that someone else is thinking something negative about us. And that's mm. not even true either. That's what we're thinking about us. So we're projecting it on somebody else. Right. I'm thinking about you. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> they're, just, they're not. Here's they're just the hard not. truth. Here's the hard truth. People are not thinking about you. No, they're not. <laughs> I always think too, like the scenario, it's, it's kind of like the scenario at the gym, you know, like you're just like, oh, if I just lift this 10 pound weight, all these other people are going to think that I'm like a wussy. So I'm going to pull for the 15 pound or the 20 pound or whatever. And the reality is, is 
nobody is watching you at the gym. They only care about their workout. They only care about what they look like and the gains that they're making. And so it kind of reminds me of a little bit of that metaphor, like nobody's watching you. (laughs) So uh, (laughs) I like that. So let's talk about, I kind of want to talk about connections then what, you know, speaking of like, nobody's watching you, nobody's thinking about you. Of course, there are some instances where people really are thinking about you and those people within your inner circle. How can we make stronger connections with those people? When we are connected to ourselves, we are open and available to receiving other people in such a way that feels so good to us and to them. It's a win-win for everybody because we're at ease with ourselves. We're comfortable in our own skin. We're approachable, but not, you know, we're non-judgmental and that's it. So when we are connected with ourselves, we connect easily with others. Yeah, I think, you know, what is the saying about you can't love someone else until you love yourself or something along those lines? It used to sound so cliche to me, like so cliche, like, okay, anyway, you know, this was the 10 year ago, Amy, but it couldn't, I mean, it, there could not be more truth in that. It is very true. And nobody can do this for ourselves. We need to do this for ourselves because no matter how much someone else loves you, if you don't love yourself, it doesn't mean anything to you. Right. You don't believe it. What advice do you have for people who like this may sound really overwhelming to them, you know, like, oh man, this sounds like a life journey. I'm not sure. I don't even know where to start. Like this feels very overwhelming. Where do I start? What advice do you have for people that may be saying that to themselves? It's just a moment to moment. Just one little moment at a time. And every little moment matters. And every moment you catch yourself saying something that nice about yourself, laugh. Because I use laughter a lot. It just breaks everything up. And it gives you a moment to then maybe say something nicer to yourself or with a little nicer tone to it or and practice. You know, when you hear in your mind yourself saying something to someone else, being judgmental, laugh about it. I mean, I'm laughing all day long with myself, <laughs> at myself. And, and laughter feels really good. I mean, yeah. don't take yourself so seriously. Yeah. On the other hand, you know, it's important to have a good relationship with the person that you spend the most amount of time with, and that's with yourself. Right. One of the questions I like to ask people uh, is, what's the funniest thing that happened to you today? So like in life, I ask this question just to people um, that I come, you know, friends, family, whatever. What's the funniest thing that happened to you today? And they're just kind of like, they have to think about it. But the amazing part about it is that once they realize the funny thing that did happen to them today, we can all laugh. And so it can all instantly bring up their mood, but, but everyone's mood that's kind of like in that environment. So I love that. Like the secret to life is laughter. (laughs) I believe that. Yeah. 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 Okay. So one of the things that I ask all my guests is if you had seven more days left to live, what would you do? I would make the move that I had been planning and um, I haven't done yet, I would surround myself with as many more animals as I could, especially horses, because that's my passion. Awesome. Um, 
And I don't even think I would sleep for some days. I would do every single <laughs> positive thing that would give me pleasure for seven days. I would go out with a bang. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I have no doubt. I have no doubt you would. Here's the second part to that question. If you had seven more days left to live, but you were in a debilitated state, so you couldn't walk, you couldn't really feed yourself, you know, you basically just laying in a bed to die. So you couldn't do those things, but you still had your words. What is the last bit of advice that you would want to be remembered by? Love yourself, know yourself, trust yourself, and laugh a lot, a lot, a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So listeners, laugh, love yourself, connect with yourself, have great self-talk. And I'll start with the quote that we started at at the beginning of the show, which is, well-being is a connected state of being happy, healthy, and prosperous. Jamie, thank you so much. Where can these listeners find you, especially if they want to check out this quickie program that you have, which I think is so genius. Where can they find you and get connected with you? I have a website. It's www.jamie-lerner.com. And you also have a book, The Ever-Loving Essence of You, that they can check out and get some more great advice, more Jamie in your life if you want to check that out as well. So thank you for being on Unlocking Happiness today through the art of allowing and connecting with yourself. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. Amy Dix here. Thank you so much for listening to Unlocking Happiness. I hope you loved the show. And if you did, post a link to your social media, tag a friend and hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts. Help spread more happiness in the world by leaving us a review. If you would like to learn more about what we do, visit choose-happy.me. And if you want to be a future guest, click on the podcast tab to learn more. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag Unlocking Happiness with Amy Dix. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and hit subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean the world to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, choose-happy.me, or join our Facebook group called The Happiest Group on Facebook. Thanks for listening. This is Amy Dix, and we will see you next time. <laughs>